This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and your tushies do too. No matter what kind of butt you've got, you'll feel comfy while your baby's mushy little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Get your baby butt in the best-fitting diaper. Huggies Little Movers. We got you, baby. The CBS Evening News, coming up next. Today's CBS Evening News podcast is sponsored by Oral-B Electric Toothbrushes. Oral-B's dentist-inspired brush head is designed to surround each tooth for a better clean than a manual brush. For a limited time only, use code CBSNEWS10 to receive 10% off your purchase at Oral-B.com. Breaking news tonight. Reports that the wreckage of a sightseeing helicopter that vanished in Hawaii has been found. All seven people on board, including two children, are feared dead. A coast-to-coast weekend whiteout. The dangerous storm that shut down major interstates in Southern California barrels into the central U.S. en route to New England. How it could affect your holiday travel plans. Heightened security in New York City's Jewish neighborhoods after a wave of Hanukkah week hate crimes. It's scary to know that people are being attacked simply because they're Jewish. What caused a deadly plane crash in Kazakhstan as it struggled to take off? Stunning details and newly obtained interviews from the war crimes investigation of a Navy SEAL who was protected from punishment by President Trump. You pull that knife and start stabbing. The emotional toll of serious civil war on children. For children who have been through such an incredible trauma, playtime like this is a sort of psychological therapy for them. Remembering Jerry Herman, who wrote some of Broadway's biggest hits. And a big reward for the school bus driver we first met in Steve Hartman's most shared story of the year. 
This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening. Nora's off tonight. I'm Jim Axelrod. We begin with that breaking news from Hawaii where an intense search has led to a grim discovery. Crews say they've found the wreckage of a sightseeing helicopter that disappeared over Kauai yesterday with seven people on board. All are now feared dead. Here's Jamie Yukis. Officials in Hawaii have now confirmed that debris has been found in the rugged, remote mountainside on the island of Kauai. It's feared that all seven on board the sightseeing helicopter, which went missing late Thursday, did not survive. Safari helicopters had operated for more than 30 years with a perfect safety record. The tour goes over some of the most lush and steep parts of the island, areas that usually can only be seen from the air. The Coast Guard says the pilot radioed its position 45 minutes before it was due to land. It didn't show up. 45 minutes later, the company reported the chopper missing. Since daybreak, a massive search had concentrated on Waimea Canyon and the Nepali coast. Now it appears the worst fears have been realized. A former co-worker at Safari Helicopter says the pilot was very experienced and had done the flight many, many times. Jim, there had been strong winds and fog reported at the time of the crash. All right, so Jamie, how difficult will it be for crews to get to the wreckage? Well, we're still waiting to get official word on the location of the people, but we do know that the wreckage is in that very dense and very remote part of the island, so it could take some time to get to. All right, Jamie, thank you. Now to a powerful winter storm that's expected to impact 250 million Americans as it dumps snow, ice, and rain from coast to coast this weekend. It started Christmas night in California, shutting down stretches of major interstates for more than 30 hours. Watches and warnings are posted tonight for almost 2,000 miles from Arizona to the Great Lakes as the storm rumbles east. More than 2,500 flights were delayed or canceled in the U.S. today, complicating holiday travel plans. Meteorologist Jeff Berardelli is at the CBS Broadcast Center in New York tracking the dangerous weather. So what is the latest, Jeff? Jim, this is going to become a very big storm, and it's going to move across literally the whole country. So first, let's start where it is right now embedded in the deep southwest, but once it gets out into the Plain States, it draws up tropical moisture from the Gulf of Mexico, warmth and humidity. The jet stream diving south and like a seesaw, pulling warmth north, what goes up must come down on the western side. The collision zone is where we have the heavy rain and also the big-time thunderstorms. Look at these temperatures. Over the next couple of days, we're going to see as many as 100 record warm temperatures. And because of the collision, Nashville 70, 61 in Chicago, west of it in the 30s. That's why we're going to see the probability of strong to severe thunderstorms. So here we are tomorrow morning. The worst of the weather, Wichita down to Oklahoma City and Abilene. North of that, it's snow and it's heavy snow from Denver all the way into the high plains. Pierre, Rapid City, also in Fargo. And notice the snow sticks right there for literally about 48 hours or so. In the meantime, it's heavy rain, Chicago, Indianapolis, and maybe some strong storms, Nashville down to Jackson. This storm will finally reach the east coast around New York as we head into the later part on Sunday. But the whole time, it's going to cause problems across a lot of the country. How much snow are we likely to see? It's probably going to be as much as one to two feet in the northern Plain states, especially in places like South Dakota. So pack your patience as you head to the airport. Jeff Berardelli with a treacherous forecast. Thank you, Jeff. In New York City, the number of anti-Semitic attacks in the last week is now up to eight. In fact, in the last year, the number of anti-Semitic hate crime complaints 
has shot up more than 50 percent in New York. And on this sixth night of Hanukkah, the NYPD is on alert. Here's Don Daler. On December 24th, a 56-year-old Jewish man in Brooklyn was approached by a group of men, one of whom punched him in the back of the head. That same day, a 25-year-old man was attacked in the same area. He told police a group of men cursed at him, saying effing Jew, before throwing a liquid on him. Those are just two of at least eight bias attacks this week in New York, including a man struck in Manhattan and a mother in Brooklyn hit in the head while walking with her three-year-old son. It's scary to know that people are being attacked simply because they're Jewish. Rabbi Jonathan Leaner lives in Brooklyn with his wife and two young children. As a rabbi for a whole congregation, making sure all of those people are safe is part of my responsibility as well, which um, is stressful considering the uptick in the violence. Hate crimes are on the rise nationally, particularly against Jews. Assaults on them are up 105 percent. The worst of which was the Tree of Life massacre in Pittsburgh in 2018 that took the lives of 11 people. Earlier this month, there was a deadly attack in Jersey City on a kosher grocery store. In the past year, a dozen white supremacists have been arrested for plots or attacks against Jews. Evan Bernstein is regional director of the Anti-Defamation League. Why are these hate crimes on the rise? We've seen a lot of gentrification issues, housing issues, cultural strife that takes place, lack of communication. But a lot of that has been there for a lot of years, but also has been there. Anti-Semitism has been part of our culture for generations. And now we've seen kind of the uncapping of that over the last four years. The first attack happened this week here on New York's Upper East Side. A man was punched and kicked after the suspect allegedly made an anti-Semitic remark. Now, in light of these attacks, the NYPD is beefing up their patrols in Jewish neighborhoods. And, Jim, New York's governor has directed his hate crimes task force to look into them. Disturbing story. Thank you, Don. Former radio host Don Imus has died. Imus gained both fame and notoriety for his newsmaking interviews, edgy comedy bits, drug and alcohol problems, long-running feud with radio host Howard Stern, and his charity work for kids with cancer. In 2007, Imus faced public outrage and his show was canceled by CBS and MSNBC after he made racist comments about the Rutgers women's basketball team. Imus later returned to radio, but health problems forced him to retire in 2018 after nearly 50 years on the air. Don Imus was 79 years old. We got a look today at chilling interviews done with Navy SEALs describing the actions of former platoon chief Edward Gallagher. Found guilty earlier this year of posing with the corpse of an ISIS fighter, President Trump restored Gallagher's rank and prevented any further punishment. Here's David Martin. Statements from Gallagher's own men describe a Navy SEAL who had lost all sense of right and wrong on the battlefield. I think he just wants to kill anybody he can. The guy's freaking evil man, another member of Gallagher's platoon, told naval investigators in video obtained by the New York Times. The guy was toxic. We can't let this continue. SEALs were breaking the code of silence, accusing the man who led them in combat of war crimes. You know, it's like our duty, it's our job to not let this continue. Based in part on these interviews, Gallagher was charged with murdering a captured ISIS fighter in Iraq. But Gallagher's attorney, Tim Parlatori, says those SEALs made up stories just to get rid of Gallagher. They didn't like the chief. 
He was pushing them too hard. They couldn't keep up, and they wanted to get rid of him. They didn't want him to be in charge of them anymore. One of the SEALs, Corey Scott, was granted immunity and testified the ISIS fighter was asphyxiated or suffocated. Then came the moment when the case against Gallagher fell apart. You didn't say that Chief Gallagher suffocated him, did you? No. Did you suffocate him? Yes. After that exchange in which Scott admitted killing the fighter, Gallagher was acquitted of the murder charge but convicted of posing with the body. He is now retired and just last week met with President Trump who had ordered the Navy not to take any disciplinary action against him. He was the, uh, one of the ultimate fighters. Tough guy. These are not weak people. These are tough people. And uh, we're going to protect our war fighters. Great fighter or freaking evil? The facts are that Gallagher retired with his full rank as a Navy SEAL, but also with a conviction for violating one of the laws of war. Jim? David Martin at the Pentagon for us tonight. Thank you. We have some numbers to share tonight about the spike in flu cases across the country. The CDC reports that Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, New York City and 25 states now have high flu activity. Flu cases have jumped by more than a million in just one week to an estimated four and a half million cases. Thirty nine thousand people have been admitted to hospitals nationwide. More than two thousand people have now died from the flu. And in Central Asia, a plane carrying 98 people crashed in Kazakhstan. At least a dozen people were killed and more than 50 injured. Officials say the plane was trying to take off when it hit the runway twice, slammed into a concrete fence and a building. Investigators are looking into whether the crash was caused by pilot error or technical problems. Meanwhile, authorities have suspended all flights on Kazakhstan's two airlines. And breaking news tonight out of Iraq. A rocket attack near the city of Kirkuk killed a U.S. defense contractor. Several U.S. and Iraqi troops were wounded, but so far no group has claimed responsibility for the attack. A refugee crisis is growing tonight in Syria more than two months after President Trump proclaimed the U.S. mission in Syria effectively over. Syrian and Russian forces are pounding rebel-held Idlib province, the U.N. said today that 235,000 people have fled their homes there just this month. Charlie Daggett now on the war's emotional toll on the children of Syria. The iron bars make it feel like a prison. But this school is now home for these children and their families. An emergency refuge after fleeing a Turkish military bombardment with no more than the clothes on their backs. Little girls describe the airstrikes that rained down on their village. Nine-year-old Silva told us of the terrifying night when Turkish-backed troops invaded. Do you hope to ever go home again? Yes, she said. I want to go back to our school and learn to become a teacher. I want America to get us back. Children make up the vast majority of more than 200,000 people who fled the Turkish invasion, according to the U.N., all too often, they're the victims, like those caught up in the alleged white phosphorus attack by Turkey. For children who have been through such an incredible trauma, playtime like this is a sort of psychological therapy for them. And yes, that tune, recognizable to parents the world over, Baby Shark, is big here, too. Because having fun is a serious matter. 
And while shelters like these are commonplace here, consequences of Syrian regime bombardments or ISIS rampages, this is a conflict that began as a direct result of President Trump's decision to pull back American troops. Children have always shown a remarkable resilience in conflict zones, partly because they can't entirely grasp the seriousness of the situation and because they can only believe their parents when they're told everything is going to be all right. Charlie Daggett is CBS News, al Hasaka, Syria. Early next year, Broadway theaters will dim their lights to honor a man whose spirit glowed with warmth. Songwriter Jerry Herman has died. If you don't recognize the name, try his catalog of brilliant show tunes. Well, hello. Look who's here. When it came to musicals, you brought the cakewalk back into style. May. Jerry Herman was simply and quite unapologetically. An old-school lover of hope and sunshine. Jerry creates songs that are like him, bouncy, buoyant, and optimistic. Herman created upbeat, Tony Award-winning Broadway shows like Hello, Dolly, Mame, and La Caja Fall, which won a Tony in 1984 when more complex and cerebral shows were trending. There's been a rumor around for a couple of years that the simple, hummable show tune was no longer welcome on Broadway. Well, it's alive and well at the palace. Herman's simple, hummable show tunes won him a shelf full of Tonys and Grammys, as well as recognition as a Kennedy Center honoree. Jerry Herman, gone tonight at 88, produced old-fashioned musicals. old-fashioned, toe-tapping joy. And consider this as context for Jerry Herman's optimism. He was diagnosed with HIV in 1985, the early days of the AIDS crisis, and then lived another 34 years. Of all the stories that Steve Hartman has covered on the road this year, the one that's been shared the most by our viewers is the story of school bus driver Curtis Jenkins. Tonight, Steve has a big surprise. You can see why someone might hate being a school bus driver. The early hours, when the weather sours, the abundance of responsibility combined with the absence of eyes in the back of your head. Y'all have a good day. Nevertheless, as we first reported last May, Curtis Jenkins loves delivering these little ones to Lake Highlands Elementary in Dallas, Texas. Yes. Emily Grunninger is the principal. He goes way beyond the outline responsibilities and duties of a bus driver. I mean, that bus is like a family. These are my children. These are my community. I love them all. To establish community, What's your job, man? he starts by giving everyone responsibility. This is one of the police officers. It's an elaborate flowchart. She's an administrative assistant to she's the president. administrative assistant to yeah, the president. Yeah. Everyone working together to build a yellow bus utopia. And we're going to care about each other and we're going to love everybody, right? I put time, effort, love, care, understanding, understanding each and every one of those kids. Omar. To show his love and understanding, hey, Chief. Curtis gives presents throughout the year. You say you like baseball. Each gift personally selected with that child in mind. 
He gave this girl a t-shirt. Her first book. With a picture from a book she made. I'm hoping this t-shirt inspired her to keep on writing books. Over the years, he has bought these kids bikes, backpacks, handed out cards on birthdays, and even turkeys at Thanksgiving. He has spent thousands out of his own pocket. And yet, if you ask the kids what they like most about Curtis, the gifts don't even come up. He helps anyone in need. Ethan Engel is a sixth grader. It means a lot to you. Yeah. He says the bus ride is often the best part of his day. My mom got divorced when I was only four. I'll see you tomorrow. He's the father that I always wanted. In some ways, I just, I wish my dad could have been like that. We make the mistake sometimes of thinking certain jobs are more important than others. I know. But Curtis Jenkins made his job important. Right, and in doing so, even created his own salary. That's the paycheck right there. If I can get that, you can keep the money. <laughs> he sought no reward. But after our story first aired, the kindness came back to him nonetheless. When an anonymous viewer reached out to school superintendent Jeannie Stone with a little thank you gift for Curtis. You're going to be driving this brand new car! In addition to the car, she also gave him a promotion. Curtis now teaches others how to have better student relationships. For this old bus driver, 2019 sure proved to be quite a ride. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Dallas. And to watch a special half hour of Steve Hartman's top stories of 2019, download the CBS News app or visit cbsnews.com slash Hartman. Next week on the CBS Evening News, new portraits at Princeton University. The school is now honoring workers who keep the campus running. And that is the CBS Evening News for the last Friday of the decade. For Nora O'Donnell, I'm Jim Axelrod in Washington. Have a great weekend. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay, and and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> I respond to quickly. Oh well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See that that does that doesn't count. <laughs> sure, I responded to everything because responding to you putting reruns up on the podcast was like a form of employment. Yeah. And I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. 
two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.